And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is the author Todd Wilcox, who has had a longtime fascination with alternative healing, consciousness expansion, and human potential. Todd is also known as the Slipstream Shaman and writes about how you can learn to use your own natural abilities in quantum healing. Todd, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. I'm excited to be here. Can't wait. Well, Todd, how did you get the name Slipstream Shaman in the first place? Well, the funny part about that is that's that's the name of the book. And uh, somewhere organically, people just started calling me that. Um, so it was it wasn't anything planned or anything thought out. But yeah, the name of the book, Slipstream Shaman. And uh, eventually through the different interviews I did and talking with the uh, talking with people, uh, they started calling me that. And it just kind of felt natural and normal. So uh, I went with it and, and we continue to, to go with that. Was there a particular event in your life that acted as a catalyst that set you on your path as an energy healer? There was. Uh, so about 15 years ago, maybe a little longer, I was on a paranormal group. And when you're when you're doing that kind of stuff, going ghost hunting, looking for UFOs, those kind of things, you run into other groups and you get to know people in other groups. And one day I had a call from another group uh, inviting me to join a uh, secondary group that they were forming that was going to go help people that nobody else could help. So if there was a haunted location that that uh, other teams couldn't help the people with, our group would go in and, and help them. And it would it would be just one or two people from various groups. And there was about seven, seven or eight of us at the time um, from various groups got together and we were going to go help people. And the question I asked when this thing was formed was, you know, I really want to help. I want to be a part of this. But, you know, what's going to be different? You know, your group wasn't able to help them. My group wasn't able to help them. What's going to be different with us? And so we started talking about different things that we could do to help people and what we needed to learn. And some things they threw out there was demonology. We needed to learn about demons. And I wasn't entirely sure that that was the case. But when they spoke about bringing a shaman in to, to teach us energy, um, energy work for protection, I thought, you know, that's really a, a beautiful thing for us to know to go help these people. And uh, so we we lined up a shaman to come teach us. And the problem, not the problem, but the, the shaman was doing a wonderful job showing us how to find our energy, bringing our hands together, finding this energy. But she was describing a completely different experience than what I was having. Uh, she was talking about your energy needs to be red. It needs to be hot. And it looks like this. Well, mine wasn't like that. Mine was light blue and it was cold. And mine kind of looked like a radiating ball in my hands. And it just wasn't what she was describing. And I, I found myself becoming frustrated because the experience I was having was not what she was talking about. And the more she would tell me what it should be when it was different than mine, uh, the less I could um, focus on what she was saying. So I just kind of backed off during that training and um, paid attention to what she was telling us, then worked on it on my own. And so once I got home, I started working on the energy work, found my energy, started to manipulate it. Um, I decided I needed to cover myself in it when I would go on ghost hunts and, and things like that, paranormal investigations. 
I would cover myself in this energy for protection. I would cover the people I was with for protection. And that was really where it started was, was in that, that moment with, with that shaman learning how to access my energy. But backing that up even farther, um, after, as I was working with my energy for a few years, I found, I finally found my purpose. I'd been searching for my purpose for, for decades. And one day during meditation with, with my, using my energy, the two words came to me and it was to help. And so I had always been, I think I was always on this path to help people. Uh, but it was, it was during that training that, that I really realized how I was going to do it. And that was with the energy work. I was taking a look at your website and what I found really interesting there is when you talked about finding your path, it wasn't some huge event that changed the world. It was just, to me, seems something subtle. Can you talk more about yes. that? Yeah. And so I, I always thought, like you said, something that's just going to change the world. I always thought when I found my, my purpose, my path, that everything would open up for me. It was, and it would be something glorious. And I would just um, be, um, you know, everything would open up and I would immediately have success. I would, I would be a champion of industry or I would, I would fly up a corporate ladder or I'd have a gigantic, huge business. Um, but it, it wasn't that type of path that I was supposed to be on. And, and it was just really simple to help. And the funny part is, even though it's simple, doesn't mean it's easy. Sometimes we associate the two, simple and easy. Uh, there, there's been a lot of work, a lot of development involved. Um, and as I, as I find more and more ways to, to help, uh, it's, it's always rewarding. It's always exciting. And I, I, you know, really can't wait until next year or the year after to see what evolves. Um, I'm really excited with the way people are responding to the book. And some of the ideas that they're giving me as they're using the the procedures that I teach, and you know where we go with that. And one of the exciting things about this book is, I I wrote it with the intention that you would be able to read it in two to three hours. Wow! I didn't want it to be something that you sat on your bookshelf and and showed off. I wanted I wanted you to be able to get involved with it. I've been in too many people's libraries that had hundreds of these great books, and I'd heard about many of them. And I asked them how many you've read, and it was always one or two. Um, they would start reading a book that had so much information in it that they would just clog, and they didn't know how to proceed, and they didn't know how to, to use it all. And so I wanted to keep this simple, uh, keep the process as easy and fast, and, and help people get results fast. You could literally, within 45 minutes of having the book in your hand, be working on the processes. If you want to read about my experiences and, and get more examples, you're looking two to three hours. But really, I wanted it to go very fast and, and get people involved as quickly as possible. Well, two to three hours is very quick. How many pages are in the book? Now, there's a little over 100 pages. And uh, some of the books that, you know, if if you want to think about it, for people that have read business books, it's, it's like reading The One Minute Manager. Um, you know, one of those Who Moved My Cheese, those kind of books where you go through it fairly fast and get right to, to the event. I didn't write it in that style, but it's about that same size. It's, uh, I believe, 24,000 words, whereas Stephen King novels like 100 and something. Um, so it's, it's fast, uh, gets to the point, and gets you on your way to working with your energy. 
And that that's the whole key. I want people to be able to use this process, um, not only use it, but evolve it. Uh, and that's where this this was starting a minute ago. It, I love it when people are able to take what I teach them and make it their own. As I hear about different um, different people working with their energy, nobody's looks like mine, which is what I expected. Everybody has their own energy. Uh, some One lady I work with has energy that's a golden color and kind of moves like honey. My energy evolved from, from this blue energy that was fairly stable looking energy to a very, very frenetic um energy that looks like a sparkler and almost looks like um almost looks like the picture of the book it almost looks like this um like if you shine a light through a diamond that's what my energy looks like now it moves a lot um other people's have various colors streaming out of it other you know and and so everybody has different energy and i encourage that i want i want people to find a way use use the processes i show you but also find your own way for those people that have watched The River Runs Through It, it reminds me of when the dad teaches the boys how to fly fish, and he's got the metronome clicking the, the rhythm they're supposed to use, and they're learning how to fly fish at a certain rhythm. And during a fishing trip, the youngest brother broke out on his own rhythm. He found his own way, his own path. And that, that's what I look at with this. I, I want to show people what I do, teach them how to access it, and then run wild. Go go crazy with it and find your own path and share it with us. I want to I want to have a big community of people doing this kind of work, sharing what they're doing, sharing what it's evolving into, and how we can help not just ourselves, not just our own community, but eventually the whole planet and, and maybe even bigger. How are you and basically anyone else able to perceive their energy and what color it is? So when in the book you'll you'll learn how to access it and in your palms you have some people call them chakras some people call it energy receptors but as you're putting your hands together you're going to start feeling something between it you might feel warmth you might feel cold um, but then you close your eyes and you just kind of let it go and like i said some people will have warm energy or hot energy some people have cold like mine and there's no rhyme or reason to it one's not better than the other it's just what yours is and those colors will come to you as well. Um, it might be a white light. It might be yellow. It might be blue or orange or, or sparkly like mine has turned into, or gray or black. And no no color is wrong. It's it, it's just your color. So um, that's that's how you would perceive it and, and start working with it. And once once you can access it between your hands, you'll find that you can easily start moving it around. You can expand it to protect your house. You can expand it to, to protect your state if you wanted to. You can expand it and, and send it to your relatives. Um, every morning and every evening, I do a, a process where I, I, will, I will get in touch with my energy. I surround myself with it. I surround where I work with it. I surround my family's homes. Uh, and then I expand it out over the states that they live in uh, just to give extra good, healthy, clean energy to them. Uh, as so that their day will go as as well as possible. Do the colors or the temperature of the energy mean anything? Not that I'm aware of. They could, and on on a bigger level of meaning and a bigger level of understanding, they may. Uh, it may it may um, signify like cold may signify a healer, or or hot may signify a warrior. I really don't know. 
Um, and that's that's something as we get more and more people involved and, and start collecting some data on that, that's a really interesting question. Um, the colors, I would imagine, do mean something. They they may be where we're at in our development. It it may be if you're if your color's red, you've um, been reincarnated twice. If it's green, you've been reincarnated four times. Uh, who knows? Um, there's there's so many things that we need to look at. It's it's still pretty new, but uh, I would I would imagine there is some meaning to it. I just don't have access to it. If I go back to you and your purpose, was there any event in your life that confirmed your purpose? It, it, that is a wonderful question. And, and what I've looked at is I've I've probably always known that, that my purpose was to help. I went into the military with the idea of helping. It wasn't to, you know, it wasn't for the adrenaline rush of jumping out of a helicopter or, or you know, blazing with a machine gun. It was, it was about helping. I, I pictured myself being the voice of reason um, so that a, a a town wouldn't get torched, um, you know, to help that way, to help uh, to help people that were in a in a place that they didn't need to be. Um, I'm always the guy going the wrong way when everybody's running out of a building because of a problem. I'm running in, um, so it's always been to help. I just didn't realize it, and um, you know, always, always the one getting in the middle of a of chaos and and trying to calm things down. I've I've always been that way, but I didn't realize that that was my purpose and, and place here was to help. Uh, but once I found out, I was able to look back on events and realize that that I'd always been acting that way. In your book, you write about the quantum room. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So as I was working with my energy, I was originally just covering myself with it, covering people um, in a in a house that we were doing a paranormal investigation on, uh, covering covering my friends, covering my my family with energy for protection. One day, as I'm as I'm I'm working with the energy, I. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened. I may have asked a question and it took me to it, or it may just have uh, organically come about. But I I went to a place that was for me. My quantum room is a is a place that started out as just gray mist, gray um, mist moving around. It would be similar to being inside a storm cloud, uh, if you can picture that. You know, there was no you couldn't see a floor, you couldn't see the walls or ceiling, but there was just mist moving around you. You knew you were in a confined space, but you didn't, you couldn't tell really how big it was or what it was made out of. It was just misty. It has since evolved into where there's an opening in it, and I can see a meadow outside, and I will leave that the, the misty part of it and go sit in a meadow at times. Uh, you know, grass, uh, sunshine, a little bit of a breeze, beautiful place to spend time. Still part of that same room, but it started out as just a misty place. When I'm teaching people to find their room, it's been everything you can imagine. One person, it was the inside of his favorite car. Um, another lady has um, some um, stone steps that she walks down to a pond. Uh, she can sometimes float in the pond while she's in it. That's her room. Other people, uh, several people are underwater. There's a couple that are in space in one way or another, like one on the moon, one just floating in space is is there a quantum room? And I think with those people, because they 
they were actively planning on developing a room, they were able to design something where mine just happened. And that's what it ended up looking like was just the mist. So when you're in this place, you're really a superhero. You can do just about anything you want. And that quantum room is where I invite people to come in for healings. So if somebody requests a healing from me, I will ask them to come to me in that quantum room. Now it's metaphysical. They're not, they're not physically there. Their essence comes to me. And that's where we that's where we do the the work to help people with healings and and make changes in their life is in the quantum room. And then I teach them how to create their quantum room and and what to do once they're there. Do you feel that your quantum healing is more about healing yourself or healing other people? Beautiful question. And I would have to say more about healing other people uh, because I, I have had so much more success helping others by using this process than I do when I'm working on my own development. And so I don't know if I have if I have my own block that's keeping me from uh, not doing as much healing as on myself as I would like to or need to, or if it's one of those things where um, it really takes other people's energy to help you heal. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that works, but by far um, I've helped many, many, many people with so many things that um, yeah, it would have to be about the other people and um, you know, anything from, from health issues to uh, emotional problems to preparing for things, um, getting getting rid of a block that keeps them from making making the move to the next level, whether it's at work or relationships or whatever, getting rid of those blocks. And, and I'm much more effective and helpful for others than I am for myself. How does your work differ from things like Reiki or other healing touch modalities? Uh, so some of those modalities can work over over space and time. Mine mine does. It it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. If you want me to do a healing, I can do a healing with you. I've worked with numerous people in in Europe, in Canada, all across the United States. And so uh, time space doesn't matter. How far away we are doesn't matter. Time is different in the quantum room. Uh, so many times I'm able to help people. Um, there's, there's some, a thing called retrocausality we can talk, talk about too, but I'm, I'm able to work with other energy healers. Uh, I, I like to work with Reiki healers, uh, when we combine with somebody because of the energy that Reiki brings, um, that just supercharges what I'm doing. So it's, um, it's like if you've, if you've got a normal car and you put a, a great big carburetor on it and 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 everything that makes it bigger and stronger the reiki kind of does that with what i'm doing it's it's a wonderful uh, team up and i i love working with reiki practitioners um but but this is hands off you know it take it can take place in other states and you don't even have to be involved it can you can be at work while i do the process and and it and it works just as well as if you know it's time to do it and we sit down at the same physical time and work on it. So it's it's kind of an odd um, odd modality because it isn't it isn't tied down to space or time. You mentioned retro causality. What's that? Yes. That is one of the things that I absolutely love. Now with within the paranormal world, and you talk to a lot of people that do paranormal things, 
there's not a lot of things we can do to test it and prove it. Um, many ghost hunting people say we use the scientific method. Well, they don't. They're using products and, and scientific tools uh, at times, but they're not following a scientific method, which is all about replication. And so there's not a lot in the paranormal that can be shown to work every time. Retrocausality is, is one of the exceptions. And what that is, is you're working, you're doing a heat, we'll, we'll just call it a healing. You're doing a healing that took place in the past. And when I heard about this, what had happened was some researchers went to a hospital and they were given access to people's records, patients' records. And they took records that were 10 years old or older with people that had a, a specific blood blood disease. And they just took those records and randomly split them, <clears throat> split them into two piles. On one pile, they gave it energy. They, they um, gave it positive energy. They uh, prayed over it. They, they did everything positive for these records of the people and they did nothing for the others. Then they started looking at the results of what happened 10 years past. And they found that, um, the, the pile that they had separated and gave positive energy and prayer and those kind of things to the people were sick for less, for a shorter length of time. They, they, um, healed up stronger over time. Uh, the different metrics that they used to look at how people heal, everything was better for the pile that they did the prayer and the energy work with. And so you can cause something to change even if it's in the past, and that's retrocausality, and that's been that's been tested multiple times. It's it was when I heard about it, I had to pull over. I was driving on the freeway, and and it struck me so hard that I I just had to pull over, and and that was that was probably ten years before I even started working on this. Um, so it's it's something that I always look at, something I always try to do. And the, the reason Slipstream is in the name of, of the book and, and what I do is because um, I want people to picture you're driving down the freeway and a semi goes past you and it pushes you off to the side as it goes by. And then it gets past you and it sucks you back over towards it. That air around the semi is creating a slipstream. Then if you get behind that semi and you were going 65 before, We'll, we'll pretend we're going the speed limit. If you're going 65 before you get behind that semi that's going 70 and you stay in the slipstream, you'll find that you can go 70 miles an hour with that truck and use less fuel, less energy. Your RPMs go down because you're in that slipstream. And so what we do with these changes are we make changes that affect your past and your present. And the stuff that affects the past pushes you forward into the present uh, and your future to where you have great changes taking place all the way along your timeline. And that was why I decided to go a slipstream on it because of the speed. Traditional shaman work can take days, weeks, years. And this is something that I wanted to have happen virtually instantaneously. And that's that's where the, the slipstream name came into it. Are you also involved in remote viewing? On accident. <laughs> so uh, I didn't realize I was, but yes. The work I do many times will fall into the category of associative remote viewing. And I this this is one of the most beautiful, wonderful things that's ever happened to me during during the healings I've done. I, I work with different nurses and doctors, 
and I'll get a call every once in a while um, from people that do organ transplants. And I got a call from a nurse uh, and, and they asked me, hey, can you, can you send some energy to this patient, help this patient with the, some healing? It's a little boy where we might not get him through the night. He had, he had received a couple organs. And I'm not, I won't tell you the names or what organs or anything like that because sure. it needs to be anonymous. But um, so I, I reached out and I can, I can do that. I, I always want to get some kind of permission, whether it's from a parent or a, you know, whatever for people, or if they give me their own permission, or sometimes if somebody's in a coma, I don't get permission. I do it anyway. But for the most part, I always get permission and I can find the people through the ones that give me permission. So this nurse asked me to do this. I, I reached out to her in the quantum room, and then I was able to go to this little boy who had had the transplants. And as I'm working with him, I'm giving him energy. Um, and maybe in a minute, I'll describe what I usually do. This this was a little different, but um, so I'm giving him energy. I can, I can see him getting his color back, getting stronger, um, breathing better, he's smiling. And as I'm doing this, another little boy walks into the room, into the quantum room, and he is very gray, very sallow. He's kind of leaning down, has no no energy, no strength. He's just standing there looking at us. Once I felt comfortable that I'd I'd helped uh, get the, the first boy's energy flowing right so that his healing could start, um, and that's really what was happening him with him. We filled him with love, gave him lots of good energy, cleaned things up so that his energy was flowing correctly in his body. And then I I started working with the second boy that was in the room, and he was so gray and tired looking that I just I just sent love, tons of love energy to him. And as I saw him building up and getting stronger, I talked to him a little bit. And for some reason, I I thought I need I need to know your name. And so I asked, what is your name? And this I won't I won't tell you the actual thing he said again because of anonymous. I, I'll use a different letter, but. Um, he, he said, C, C. And so I'm thinking Cedric, Charlie, I'm going through any C name I can think of, um, trying to, trying to figure out what his name is. And, and he's shaking his head, C, C. We keep doing the work as I give him more and more energy. All of a sudden things change with him. He goes from being tired and, and gray to having good color, um, pink again, strong again. And then energy started leaving from him. And it felt to me like the energy that was leaving him was going to his family to start healing them. He was the donor. And so he was, once he had the energy, he was healing his family uh, so that they could get through this uh, traumatic event of losing him. Uh, even though they knew that he saved somebody else, still it's awful to lose a, a child. And so he was sending love, healing energy to his family to heal them. And we continued to do that. He kept telling me, see, see. And we finished. The next day, I, I contacted that nurse. Uh, the boy who had, who had received the organs was doing great. He was up walking around. He was going to be discharged the next day. He completely had a change overnight. And I said, I don't know if you can tell me this, but as I was working, this other boy came in. And I asked the name and he was telling me, see, see. And I said, is, is the donor by name, by chance named Charlie or, or, you know, I started saying some C names and, and the nurse giggled a little bit and said, his name's Cece. Hmm. So he was telling me his name, but I wasn't interpreting it right. 
and of course it was a different different letters but um i i missed it and so that was that was something that drove home that you don't want to interpret too much just just accept what you're seeing and and don't try to figure out what it means and and when i tell you a story in a minute you'll understand more what i what i mean by that but um that would be an example of associative remote viewing where you're where you're having contact with something and getting some kind of information so i didn't realize i was doing it but yes i've done that multiple times where i've had what would be considered associative remote viewing you talk about polymadala and that is a phrase that i've never heard before can you tell us about that yes and and you haven't heard from it because it's something i dreamed up uh, <laughs> it uh what it means is is many healings and so what that can mean is one healing session that will heal multiple people um going going to the people or one session that heals multiple afflictions um, so there might be a polymodella that you do that that is aimed at a group. Um, you know, we had we had um, a couple years ago when we were wearing the masks during COVID. There was there was a group that wanted to fight that wore the mask that wanted to fight the people that weren't wearing the mask. And there was a group not wearing the mask that wanted to fight the people that were wearing them, and and there was a lot of conflict. And I, I managed a retail outlet, and there were rumors that there was going to be a demonstration at the store that I manage. And I started doing a polymodella for the people that were going to do those protests. Uh, I wanted to calm things down. I wanted to give them better resources, make sure that they felt like their voices were heard. And so I'm doing the polymodella for about a week, getting ready for this this day to come up, and the night before their their demonstration was supposed to happen, the mask mandates changed to where businesses weren't forced to tell people to wear masks, and and it was it was people's choices. And that just when that announcement was made, all that energy was just sucked out. The two groups didn't want to fight anybody anymore. They didn't want to fight each other. And and again, I don't know how big a part I played in that, but as you do these healings consequence not consequences but um coincidences happen coincidences like that they start piling up piling up piling up and it, at some point you have to say okay it wasn't just random it wasn't just an accident the things i'm doing are helping and maybe i'm that straw that breaks the camel's back and so everything works right um, and that's probably what happened in that instance but again it was one of those coincidences that just such a big event stopped just before it was going to happen after we were doing the process, the polymodella. Uh, I recently did a polymodella for road rage because I am a I am a bad <laughs> bad person behind the wheel. I yell at a lot of people. I think everybody's cutting me off on purpose. I think you know things people are doing stuff to make me mad. And uh I did a polymodella that was for me and for everybody. And that was that's been about two months ago. And there's been just a gigantic change in my behavior driving. And what I've noticed with other people as well, I don't see the the people cutting each other off back and forth. You know, I used to watch on the freeway as I was driving. I would I would watch two or three cars like chasing each other and, and pushing each other and those kind of things. I don't see that anymore. 
I notice that I don't get frustrated with the people staying in the left lane when I'm trying to speed. And uh, just a lot of changes have happened. And it might just be my perception, but I think it's touching other people around us. And so a polymodella is a many healing. And I try to do those on, on my podcast each week and uh, reach out to whatever group. It just kind of the 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 spirit lets me know where to go each time when I do it. While you were helping the boy named C, you encountered a non-corporeal boy, the donor. Do you ever encounter other entities that, you know, maybe dark entities out there? Yes. And um, so there's there's things that I encounter when I do the healings. The first group I'll call, I call companions. And these things started out as something positive that was trying to help us. And so picture, picture you're, you know, you're eight years old and you do something and you hurt your bicep. So you, you take a, a rope or a, or a belt or something, you put it around your, your bicep and it makes it feel better. That compression makes it feel better. Um, what happens if you leave that on for a week? What happens if you leave that on for a month or a year or five years? Um, that's kind of how a companion works. It started out as something that was helping us, but as we grew and developed and changed, it became something that became a problem. Then we have a thing that I call a parasite, and that usually started out with a bad intention. And that's why I was focused on road rage. I was on a on a show like yours, and we started talking about road rage, and it hit me that all that all that evil thought that we're putting out there, all that frustration we're putting out there, all that negative energy we're putting out there um, could become energy sucks, energy parasites that get on people and take their energy and, and weigh them down and, and slowly erode that person. And so that's the second type. The, the biggest group is the companions, and that's probably 95% of what I encounter as a companion. About 4% or maybe a little more than 4% is the parasites. And then a very small percent is something that I would call otherworldly, something just pure bad. And what I've run into is, is uh, some alien looking things, some um, insect looking things, and, and also a gigantic, I don't even know what to call it. It's something like the size of a sun with billions of, of tendrils coming out of it taking energy from people. And I'm not sure how I'm going to work with that. I've I've run into it a couple times and separated people from it that were having energy drawn from them. Um, but I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with that thing in the long run. So yes, there are some things out there like that. I do run into uh, what people call the hat man uh, or shadow people. I call it the watching man. And what that is, is an entity that's about six feet tall, maybe a little taller, kind of uh, big built. Uh, usually has a hat you know it has a face but you can't see it it's wearing a long coat and they're usually just like a shadow they're they're black or dark gray or dark blue and usually they just watch and i've i've encountered many of those while i'm doing that and again they're just watching they're they're curious what's going on um i was doing a, a cleanse on a house a healing for a house one time and there was three of them that would walk alongside me now when i say i was walk beside me this is metaphysical i brought the house into my quantum room but they were there to see what was going on and i i do see those things quite often when i'm doing this work 
but they've, they've never been a problem for me. Were the energy parasites actual sentient entities or is it like a parasite of emotion? So the, um, the ones that I call parasites would be something that evolved out of an emotion, I believe. Uh, those other things, those otherworldly things, I think are some kind of an entity. Um, but the the parasite ones that I talked about, I think those started as just a bad thought that somehow um, was able to grasp onto somebody and start feeding on them. And I don't run into a lot of those, but from time to time, they're they're out there. Would those otherworldly beings be the same things that Catholic priests would conduct exorcisms for? I think so. I, I do believe so. And, you know, and, and through the through the ages, we've called them demons. We've, uh, you know, the shamans have had different names for them. Each each um, tribes had different names for them. But I, I think they were all the same kind of thing. I, I remember as a little kid watching witch doctors and different things and, and really being concerned about demons and, and spirits and zombie things and that. Um, but I and I, I do believe what I'm encountering with some of these things are just that interpretation. I don't interpret them as a demon, but for whatever reason, 300, 400 400 years ago, we we decided to call these demons. And and so, yeah, I I think that is what the church would do an exorcist on, the the really bad ones. When you're saying otherworldly, do you think that means that they're living in another dimension or the astral realm, or do you think they're more like aliens on UFOs? I think there's both. I've encountered both. Um, uh, I'll tell you a story about an alien one in a second, but the 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 really the the, the big ones I, I think are in another dimension and, and reaching through somehow. Um, the that hat man, that watching man I was talking about, I think that's a dimensional being, and I, I that thing with the tentacles coming out to to get energy, I think is a dimensional being also. Um, but the, the alien part, I, I have Ron and he's, he's in the book, the, the chapters called Ron and Ron was having heart trouble. It's been about six years ago now. And he was on the verge of death. He was told a couple different times, get your affairs in order. Your, your heart's failing. And I would, I would do energy healing with him and he would get better, but it wouldn't last. And I did about three healings with him that we had some progress and things would get better, but it would, would go bad again. And on the, I believe it was the fourth healing I'm, I'm working with him. And I noticed that there was, what I saw was this tube going into his back and it was going into his back and, and straight to his heart. And I, I pulled the tube off him again. This is metaphysical. I wasn't there with Ron. There was no tube took this, but I'm in the quantum room. I pull that tube off and and I think, where does this go? And I I look down the tube and a and a part of the quantum room opens up and there's this alien staring at me. And he had this gigantic triangle-shaped head. And we did one of those things like on ET where everybody yells because you're so startled. Um, but then he sent this energy at me that knocked me out, knocked me unconscious. And when I came to, I was mad. And um, and I went full Marine and I went right back in and I was going to get him and he knocked me out again. So he knocks me out twice in, in less than an hour. 
And a few days later, I, I kept thinking, how am I going to get this? How am I going to make this thing stay away from Ron? What am I going to do with this? And I went back and same result, knocked out. And I talked to a friend and she says, well, how about you don't go in there guns blazing this time, Maureen? You've learned that that's not working for you. Why don't you use your love team that you have? I, I have three different teams that help with the healing. I have a warrior team that finds the companions or the parasites and removes them. I have a love team that heals those parasites and and um, companions and also heals the person. And then we have a seven generation team that comes in and, and just provides protection and love and connection for those people after we do the healing. And it's actually their generations. Um, so I, I get the love team. We, we build up a bunch of energy. And as soon as I see that triangle guy, we shoot love at him and we just keep shooting love at him, shooting it, shooting it, shooting it. And I can tell that he's not enjoying it. It's really hurting him. It's it's making him try to get away from us. And we did that for a while. And then I lost connection. And Ron felt good for about six months after that. And then he started failing again. And this time I, I went into the quantum room and I, I asked my highest level guides. I have, I have, three guides that come to me that that are otherworldly guides and i asked them how do i help ron and they had me sit down and we're talking and as we're talking i'm getting bigger and stronger my shoulders are getting huge my arms are getting huge my neck's getting huge my legs are getting huge kind of like what happens with the hulk where he just gets big and huge i'm sitting there getting bigger bigger i can feel more and more power more and more strength and then they just said some words to me they said terror drive 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 push up slam down squash and, and as soon as they said squash the mist opened up i saw the triangle guy i reached forward and tore open the ship did like a tackle like like you'd see on football drove him drive 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 across his ship and then slammed him into the ceiling, smashed him on the floor, and started smashing him into a ball. And then sent the whole thing to the sun and watched the whole thing burn up. And when I was when I was writing the book, I I was really torn on whether or not to share that or not. But I I had to had to tell the truth. And as much as I want this to be nothing but positive and help. Um, sometimes things like that are going to happen. And so uh, that, I guess, would be like an exorcism. Um, it was the only way I could keep that thing away from Ron and probably from other people. Um, so I, I felt horrible sharing that kind of violence in a book that's about helping and healing. But I also felt like I had to be honest and, and share the whole truth. Do you meditate? And if so, what type do you practice? That, that is a wonderful question. So I've practiced most types of meditation. And what they all evolved into was me sitting down, trying to clear my mind for however many minutes, and then falling asleep. Um, meditation wasn't working for me. I just I would just relax and fall asleep. And once I got to the quantum room, I could start meditating. So I don't know if it has a name, but it's it's where I just allow thoughts and things to come to me and and it's where i'm able to interact with the universe and so the meditation that i do 
for me has only worked inside the quantum room, but that's where I get my clarity. And that's where my purpose came to me, the to help, where I knew where I knew the answer of what my purpose was and and where I where I go to find clarity. And and so it's there it's it's not an exact meditation that I could I could say it's like Buddhist or or anything like that. It's um or transcendental or any of those. It's it's just me relaxing in the quantum room and allowing the universe to let me know what I need to know. Hmm. And I don't uh, fall asleep during it. So that's a win. <laughs> now you run a podcast like I do, and I'm assuming sometimes you talk about Bigfoot. So what is your opinion of what Bigfoot is? Okay, thank you. Now, um, as I said before, I have three high-level guides that come to me. I also have two animal guides that help me that are that are a level level down from them. And one of them actually is a Bigfoot. It's a female Bigfoot. I have a bull elk and a female Bigfoot are my spirit guides. And what I feel like Bigfoot is is a is a um, dimensional being. When when I got my my spirit animal, when it came to me, I was I was on some mountains in Utah. I was alongside some mountains. And I can remember as I started to feel the Bigfoot being a part of me, I looked down this row of mountains and I honestly felt I could go 20 miles in seconds that, that I would just be able to. I don't know if I would call it a hop, but I would just be able to step outside this dimension and move along those mountains super fast and be 20, 30, 50 miles down um, in in seconds or a blink of an eye, you know, maybe maybe a millionth of a second. And my my feeling has been that that they are not of our dimension. They they visit here and they do things here, but they they live and belong somewhere else. This is more of a vacation or a or a training or um, hard to say exactly you know what they're doing here. I don't have a great grasp on that, but I do believe they step outside of our dimension. Uh, too many times you see footprints in the snow that just stop. And they're just gone. There's nowhere for it to go, but the, the footprint stopped. Now, people say, well, you can back up and not mess up the prints, but you really can't because your foot's doing other things. You would you would leave um, damage when you're doing that. And, you know, you know, if it's a hoax person, you know, you're not going to fly off in a helicopter or anything like that. So um, I do believe they're they're uh, dimensional beings that can come and go as they want. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure why they come visit us. But I also, I've also talked to so many people that have had UFO experiences that I think there's some kind of tie-in there too. And I've talked to a number of people that have seen them on ships when they've been abducted and, and go on to ships, they see Bigfoot or they'll see Bigfoot in a place that is a hotbed of UFOs. And so I, I believe that they're tied together and maybe the UFOs are also dimensional. What are your thoughts on near-death experiences? So, um, one of the things when I started my radio show, one of the things I really wanted to find out was what happens to our pets. That was a, a bucket, one of the bucket lists of, of guests. And so I wanted to have some, um, psychics on and, and talked about pets and talk about near death. And, um, once, once I had firm belief that that there is an afterlife and that the pets are a part of it, I, I was able to relax a lot. Um, and then one time in, in meditation, 
I was picturing some of my dogs and and many of the dogs that I've lost over the years that have passed away helped me in in the healing that I do. They're a part of the warrior team. Um, but when you look into a dog's eyes, there is no doubt in my mind that they have life and it's a life that goes beyond that physical body. And um, with near death, I, I had an experience in high school. I was having a hernia operation and this was back in, in the 70s. And during the operation, I left my body and I was sitting on the other side of the room watching what was happening. And when I left my body, I, I assumed that my body died because uh, my surgeon is screaming at the anesthesiologist. The anesthesiologist is screaming back at him and they're frantically doing things. And one of the nurses runs out of the room. The other one's over and, and looked like she was about to start doing CPR on me. Um, and it, it didn't last for a long time. I didn't see a tunnel. I didn't have a visitation, but um, I got sucked back into my body. When I asked the doctor about it on, on the rounds the next day, that was when when you were in the hospital for a hernia, you were there for a week or more. Um, it's not the outpatient process that it is now. And uh, the first day my surgeon came in, I asked him, hey, what happened during this? And I, I described it. He went white, absolutely white. And he says, no, no, that didn't happen. And, uh, <laughs> and I never saw him again. And there was other doctors that came and checked on me after that. That doctor never came back. And so I'm, I'm convinced that I had a near-death experience there. And it, didn't, it probably didn't last long enough for me to see many of the things that people talk about. Um, but I have had the opportunity to talk to some of the, the, the best people on the planet that have studied near-death experiences. And I, I truly believe that we do that and that we have a beautiful place to go to when we're done. And I also think that we have, have some control over it. As, you're, as you are um, studying near-death experiences, people that have a very strong religious background, a very strong religious love, their experiences tend to go along the same lines as, as what they learn in their religion. They go see Jesus, they go see Muhammad, they go see Buddha. Um, or people that don't really go to church, maybe go to a meadow or something. And so I think I think we have control over that, much like in the quantum room where you can just pretty much do anything you want. I think when you're in that place that, that we'll call heaven, for, for lack of a better term, I think you you control it and you, you create your own heaven based on what you like and love. Do you think that your NDE changed you in any way or gave you abilities that you didn't have prior? It, it might have. It may have opened things up. I, I do try to think back and see what changed. Um, but... Um, I, I don't I don't recall like a giant change taking place, but it might have been one of those um, small kernels that was that was placed and and started, and so it, it may have taken a while for it to grow and and take charge. You know, they talk about bamboo is just a tiny little plant for five years, ten years, whatever, and then it grows ninety feet a year, in a year, um, and so maybe something like that takes took place with me where I didn't have the huge epiphany that some people do or, or see the massive change. <clears throat> but I, I know that I've always seen things people didn't see the, the watching man um, ghost type things that, you know, I've, I've always been more in tune and I, I'm probably got a little bit more in tune after that. NDE. Have you ever helped anybody who has claimed to be abducted by aliens? Mm hmm. Yes, um, for sure. Ron, Ron has been abducted many times, 
and um, he's actually um, one of the people. If you if you search YouTube and and put um, abductee pilot, he he comes up many times. He's one of the people that have been abducted to train as a pilot, and um, and yeah, I worked with Ron. I've worked with with a number of other people that have been a abductees and and really from from my perspective my the things i do they don't have um the the things that we work on aren't aren't really different ron had that alien that was that was trying to kill him oh something i forgot to tell you is after i told ron about my experience with the triangle-headed alien he uh he says you know there's something i've never told you is that about five years ago I went to a hypnotherapist and they did a regression. And during that, he had he had what's called an ab reaction where you just freaked out. You're you're under hypnosis and you just lose it. And he had that and he was screaming that there was a triangle headed, a triangle shape, an alien with a triangle head trying to kill him. And I I had no idea about that. And so um again, you know, I was talking about coincidence coincidences stacking up and that was another one of them um i had no idea that he'd had that experience um but his he's the one that that has had the most contact and then i work with some ladies quite frequently that have that have had multiple contacts as well do you think most abductees are getting abducted in the physical world or during their sleep when they take their consciousness out of their body i think there's both um there's a um how do I describe well I'll tell you about an experience I had and I I don't believe it was a dream I believe it was an actual contact I was for for years I'd been making fun that um I wanted the aliens to abduct me so I could get on their ship and and then I was going to take it over I was going to commandeer the ship and fly wherever I wanted I was a real smart aleck about it and um, I did that on air. I did that to everybody I talked to. And then one night I'm staying, I love when I'm traveling, I love to stay at the little roadside hotels, the motels that are shaped like an L. Um, they were built in the fifties. Uh, many of them had a swimming pool in the front and a lot of times the swimming pool is gone, but, um, you know, the ones I'm talking about, they're just shaped like an L and I love staying in those. And I'm in one of those kind of in the middle of nowhere. I look out the back window and it's just this field of of crap. It's broken down vehicles. There's um, uh, abandoned wash machines and refrigerators and stoves, just stuff on the junkyard back there. And I watched a little bit of TV, went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, I, I wake up and that whole back wall where that window is that I was looking out is gone. It's wide open. And these aliens are walking in to, to have a conversation with me. And there was various size grays. There was an insect looking one. There was a thing that looked kind of like a tumbleweed. Um, many different, there was the the Nordic. There was, I don't know, like six or seven different types of aliens. And they had me get out of bed. They surrounded me and they let me know that, that it was not funny me talking about uh, being able to commandeer a ship from them, that it wasn't possible. They didn't appreciate it and I needed to stop. And all the people... All the people that I'd talked to that had been abducted really, really were not happy with me making fun of that because of the experience they had. And these things weren't happy. And they told me um, to to make sure you understand you're going to be sick for three days. 
and I was violently sick for three days. I thought maybe I'd gotten radiation poisoning. It was so bad. And um, so since that time, I, I didn't even talk about it for a few years. But since that time, I do tell this story. But I want people to understand I'm not making fun of it. And I'm not saying I'm going to commandeer it. I just want you to know I had that experience. Um, many people would say that I probably dreamed it. I don't believe it was a dream, even though it happened you know, while I was asleep and then and then was woken up for it, I don't believe I was asleep. So I think there are things that happen um, in a metaphysical plane with these aliens. And I also believe that, that there's a lot of things that happen in the physical realm. All right. So if people want to learn more about your book or your healing, do they go to your website? Yes. If they go to slipstreamshaman.com. They can order the book through there. It actually will take you to the <clears throat> to the link on Amazon. There's a button there to do that. There's also an email link that you can reach out to me. You can go to my Instagram. And what I would encourage, if you like what we talked about today and want to want to know more, sign up on Instagram with me. Follow me on Instagram. That's where all the new stuff comes out. And then um, shoot me an email with your thoughts. If you want a healing, I do free healings. I don't charge at all. It's not a it's not a trick to get you to go to the website and 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 do something else. It's it's a free healing that I do. Um, I, I'm not going to ask you for, nor will I ask you for a donation. It's just something I do. Um, I am a little bit behind, so we're we're looking about a month out right now. But but please reach out, or if you just have a question, send me an email. You can do all that right at, at the website, slipstreamshaman.com, or if you want to order the book, it's a, a great way to go. You also have a YouTube channel, right? YouTube, if you search Slipstream Shaman, you'll find it. <clears throat> and there's also a link uh, on that front page for, for also um, Instagram and YouTube. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? You know, it for me, it was about helping people. And I'm sure everybody out there is especially if you're still looking for your purpose, just just allow things to come. Um, be open and and listen. There's so much noise around us that if um, if you get to that quiet place, whether you're meditating in traditional meditation or if you're if you go with the process I show you and, and create a quantum room and you meditate, really listen to what's out there that's going to come to you. And that's, that's where the revelations come. That's, that's how I learned what my, my purpose was. Uh, everything's so noisy and, and fast right now. It's, it's good to get quiet and listen and you'll know when it's the right thing. Uh, it'll, it'll be a voice that you believe. It'll be a voice that, that sounds different. It won't be that same old voice in your head it'll be it'll be different it'll be stronger it'll be right and you'll know it so um get to a place where you can really get quiet and, and listen for that and um keep listening to great shows like this one and and having fun and opening your mind and and um being out there for things that are non-traditional todd thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest thank you for having me jeff it was an absolute blast thank you Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.